Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 130, 2022 Portfolio Review. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. Today we're going to have a look back at 2022 and see how our dividend portfolios performed. All that and more. See you on the inside. Hey, European DJ. How are you, buddy? I'm really good. New year, new chances, new opportunities, right? Uh, and by the way, happy new year, first of all, and happy new year to all our listeners. Let it be an amazing year with lots of compounding, compound interest and dividend growth, of course. But tell me, how was your year end? And uh, did you go for a party or something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it was a busy Christmas. I know we, we spoke over Christmas as well. We had a show, but it's been one of the busier Christmases I've had. COVID was gone, everything opened up, so it was it was qu quite hectic. So New Year's Eve, for the first time ever, I was in bed before the New Year came in. I was just wrecked. <laughs> just I just <laughs> I, I couldn't party anymore. I couldn't do anymore. But it was nice. It was nice. Back yeah. to work this week. Back to normality. So, and and nice. hey, you're coming over this day next week. You should land in hopefully what will be the sunny southeast. Um, it's raining at the moment, so I hope the weather's nice nicer for you next week yeah and i want to thank the community there right uh, because many uh, people bought me a coffee with the goal to uh, fund the ticket uh, towards you so yeah it will happen next weekend next weekend we'll meet uh, for the first time in person and we will do a live show uh, sitting opposite each other so I'm, I'm really really looking forward to make sure i take all my equipment with me <laughs> yeah we'll we'll see how that works but i'm I'm looking forward to it it's going to be it's going to be awesome but hey dividend dividend dividends we're going to start the new year looking at what we did last year and how we performed but before that anything in the news this week it's the first week so usually it's it's quite enough is it yeah yeah well you know uh first of all uh people are already looking at stock markets going up and down and down and up so i haven't actually really looked at this this week i was too busy uh, writing my own uh, annual report but today um you know uh, uh, shell did a statement update statement they do it actually always right at the beginning of the year and one of the things that uh, they also mentioned is that they will need to pay 2 billion in taxes to the UK and the European Union to, you know, which effectively an additional tax levy that goes back to, to the countries to support the hike of, or to mitigate the hike of energy prices. And for me, you, you, you know, as a shell shareholder, and but even, even so as a as kind of a bit of a capitalist, I, I truly hate this. I always say like, there was nobody, nobody in 2020 when, when there was a minus in the oil price, there was nobody stopping at the gas station and, and stopping at the counter and said, oh, guys, you know, I'll, I'll pay 33% additionally for you to, to, to cover some of your losses. There was nobody in parliament even suggesting that, like, shall we help Shell? You know, they are making making major cash flow losses and and such. Shall we help them and pay for it, uh, cover 33% of their losses? 
But no, now now there's a windfall, right? And then they need to pay 33% additional or something like that on the on the tax. So and and an amount of two billion. For me, it, it is it is like I you know it really breaks capitalism when you think about it because what they are effectively doing is they are letting us not benefit from the risk that we take. I know it's cruel, right? These these energy prices and everything. We we all are suffering. We are also citizens. But we're taking risk with investing in these uh, companies and whatever company it is today's oil and gas but maybe tomorrow it's something else so for me this is just a deep shame what is uh, happening i don't understand it it doesn't mean that i don't have sympathy for people that struggle to pay prices but then you need to do it equally and and, and in my opinion just naturalize nationalize the whole energy business uh, pay us uh, what's now on the market and nationalize it yeah yeah, I mean, well, what do they call it? A windfall levy due to the excess earnings raked in from high commodity prices. So, what what are they doing? Are they are they taking this money and giving it back to the public? Uh, that, that's or, the or, idea. That's the idea that they they are already giving the public public often like uh, you know um, a ceiling towards the energy they will pay in some countries. So, and this is what this gap in the budget will need to be covered with that. Generally speaking. But you know, that's my issue, right? I don't see them doing the other way. So uh, these, these, how do they say it? Um, the the excess earnings, but you know, there were excess losses, yeah, in 2016, excess losses in 2020, excess losses. Oil was dead, yeah, uh, here, and they were all happy with this, I think, because it allowed them to create these green woke policies. And everything, but in the end, realistically, everyone is addicted to oil. We need oil, and it's just denialism. You know, it's hypocrite, in my opinion, pure hypocrisy. Yeah, uh, look, there's probably plenty that would disagree because because of the the high prices. But I think they've they've paid something like four point two billion in taxes now in the fourth quarter alone. That's that's what they were paying across the yeah, world. Yeah, well, you know, they need to pay the taxes that they need to pay, like regular taxes, right? Predictable. Uh, like, you know that if you're, I don't know, uh, for seated in England or in the UK, I don't know, what is it, 10, 15, 20% corporate uh, profit there. And they need to pay that. That's normal. You know there's a shareholder. But, you know, we, we had to surf, uh, suffer from large dividend cuts in 2020, the first time since the uh, Second World War. We had a lot of price depreciation. Uh, many people were scared uh, during COVID. Um, and there was really nothing there, right? The market was left on its own. Yeah. And, and this is why I hate it that when there is an upside, they're roaming it off, right? The, the profits. So, and yes, these are uh, large profits, but this is, uh, in the end, it's, uh, it's a question of supply and demand. And that's what these business models are built on. And I know energy is always sensitive. Um, that's why a lot of the um, the power operators, natural grids, are in many countries uh, nationalized, or, or there's a large stake of the government in there. But this was not the case with oil and gas. Yeah, they have already like when when when, for instance, Shell is in I don't know in Qatar or something like that. They have joint ventures everywhere, and half of the profits usually usually the country. Or the nationalized oil and gas company owns 51% of the joint venture, and th there's profit sharing there, revenue sharing. So there's yeah. really double dipping, right uh, here. Yeah, yeah. I look, it's it's definitely coming out of our pockets, definitely because that's two two billion or so that could have went towards buybacks or dividends. So I don't agree with it either, but hey, it is what it is.
Uh, Walgreens reported earnings. I, I didn't look at it, so I am rereading their annual report this week. That's what I've started, and I'll, I'll get to that maybe at the start of next week. But I see you've highlighted some some interesting things from them. Well, yeah, I, I brought it up for you. You're the WBA guy here in the podcast, so I really want to uh, share it with you. But, you know, they had a first quarter loss per share of 4.31, uh, um, you know, for the first quarter compared to 4.13 in i believe the a plus a year ago but they had a six and a half billion uh pre-tax charge related to the opioid litigation also what johnson johnson had to do and such right share yeah. price dropped a lot uh as well i think seven or eight percent in response to that um adjusted eps so this is what management likes to tout right because that's the number they can make the most prettiest still decreased with 31 percent uh um compared to uh last year so which is a which is also a lot but at the same time they are maintaining their full year outlook and actually they what they say that they increase clarity into the company's long-term growth algorithm growth algorithm i like that one that's such a bullshit when you read this right but uh building to low teens adjusted eps growth in fiscal year 2025 and beyond so when you think about this you're getting this uh, company according to their own forecast at a what is it, a seven or eight pe and you will get low teen teens uh, eps growth i mean if this is like this is really like like man this would be a growth stock yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to pivot, aren't they? I think they realize they're behind CVS a, a long mm. ways now. CVS are a little bit more integrated and control the pricing power a lot better, yeah. say, than, than what Walgreens do. And they are trying to pivot into some localized health and, and become the integrated yeah. health. Health. How that's going to work long term, it, it's still it's still unknown it's still unknown it seems yeah. like a good idea it really does but whether it's going to play out as well as well as they think it is i don't know but certainly if you were to choose between walgreens and cvs now if you're sitting there with cvs you're, you're looking you're looking at pretty. yeah there's a lot of bullshit in this um in, in this earnings report i would say so uh, quite some red flag i mean long-term growth algorithm how, how do you even invent this it's like the same as when you when you're at work and they say it's another challenge it's an opportunity yeah, we, we and then I mean also I, they had a lot of uh, theft in the shops, right? So they 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 invested a lot in security officers and everything, and they're pulling back again uh, from that because. And then I think, like, guys, are you a bunch of clowns? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're they're trying to pivot, aren't they? But in pivoting, they're trying to make it seem rosier than what it is, and that's that's what they're doing. Yeah, the, yeah. They, they they would be much better just writing exactly how it is. Look, we're we're far behind CVS. They are they are they control the pricing power. We can't compete with them. We're pivoting into this new market now. That's where our eggs are going. And and the share price will be at exactly the same uh, place it, where it is today because the shareholders don't buy this shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they'd have a lot more shareholder trust, I would think, if they did. That. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there would be probably more case for long term investment then. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm staying away from WBA, although it looks from the metrics sometimes really attractive when you look at the yield and such. But um, I'm not saying that they will cut the dividend, but I, I'm because of this it's 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 not a high quality company and that's where really more of my focus is right now yeah i don't think the dividend is is in danger 
immediately this year but we don't know maybe if it continues four quarters in a row of of, of a losses like yeah. this then then this uh, yeah but this opioid case so if it's a one this could be really just a one-off right yeah yeah hey, look we'll time will tell but i don't think the dividend is 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 in danger this is a turnaround it's similar to intel it's it's a turnaround yeah. story i like the idea of it but whether they can make it work and play out the way they they say yeah but but if you then hear so, pat gelsinger talking it's total different ball game you just hear the engineer and pat right and you see sometimes that he's more making mistakes but it's more out of um i i think let's say like that that has no bad bad intention and he, he is also really straightforward when it's shit, he says it right so that, that, that's probably what you say right? what you mentioned just before but hey the, the let's say the third news item that i want to talk about is open ai um because it's currently um they have a new funding round and it's currently um being valued probably around 29 billion and you know we could probably just say like write a, a different talk episode for us and open ai and and put a like uh text-to-speech uh module on it and they could just they could just make a conversation uh for for the listeners right the 29 billion and um i also saw that uh, somewhere already that google's really now uh, the ceos are really you know putting their workforce together saying like okay guys this is the threat and you know what is really nice that i want people to remind is that in 2019 microsoft invested 1 billion in open ai right so this clever this clever little guy there such an adela he is like everywhere his stakes yeah and i really love this when i read that like okay you know if google loses some there's still microsoft behind it here yeah so i, I like this and i think they wanted to integrate it already in bing also as an alternative search engine or something like that so this is going to be this is going to be really interesting for me i really like this kind of uh, technology shakeup by the way i'm long uh, alphabet <laughs> <laughs> yeah look ai is definitely the future isn't it in, in all walks of life it's definitely it's definitely the future but we'll see how, how it plays out but i did not know that about microsoft i'm surprised Button included in the co-founders. To be fair, there's some big names there like Elon Musk and yeah, and uh, Sam Sam Altman and stuff. So I'm surprised they weren't involved in that, but they didn't want to miss out on their slice of pie, so they they invested. Yeah, exactly, in exactly. Good. So to be continued, to be continued. I, I believe a new GPT uh, release will also come in March or April. So yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. So 2022, you wrote this big fancy annual report. I've got through half of it, I have to say. Um, so tell me, how was your year? How did you do? Well, you know, I, I think probably quite some of the listeners have read it as well. So I'll try to avoid uh, re-speaking, re let's say, retelling the whole annual report. But um, initially, uh, before I started doing the numbers, I felt like, like ah, so-so, you know, because... I tend to remember my mistakes more than 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 my winners and the stuff that we that we did well. And then when I do the analysis, I think like shit, this was a pretty damn good year actually. Yeah, um, I mean my savings rate fifty percent, fifty one percent, and this is what I always remind people like in the early days, um, if you can save more, you 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 build quicker your projected annual dividend income than from the return yeah because let's say if you can save uh 25 or 35 this 10 difference that you can invest 
gives you already much more dividends than a single dividend hike overholding that uh, company that you had for such a long time, right? So the the cash we deploy in the early days, let's say, specifically up to the, um, uh, let's say, 150K or something like that, you see the impact directly of the savings rate really strongly. And 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 for me, therefore, I was really happy, st happy still with the savings rate because we had shit inflation here in Poland, 17% year over year. I, I mentioned a few times already our market rate is now 10% interest rate. So for me, this is uh, what I was really proud on. And also, um, yeah. Uh, did, um, did, did you have to cut back on anything to, to keep your savings rate? No, not necessarily, because you know what makes life so easy in this? I pay myself first. So before I do anything, as soon as my salary gets on my bank account, poof, certain amount goes already to the brokerage and then i have to try and survive on the rest yeah uh, i get also money from my wife uh, sent straight away uh, when when the money comes in so you know paying yourself first is for me such an easy trick and uh, that's why i also stopped with expense tracking i'm not doing that anymore as such you know how i calculate is just i look at the salary that came in i look at how much money went to my brokerage account and i've got my savings rate I don't bother anymore about expense tracking as such because I build a routine over the years. So I, I kind of know where my expenses are. Yeah. And, and I know whether we spend a lot on vacations uh, last year because you, you just know that because you, you, you do the counting. Okay. Last year I went one time on vacation. This time I went three years on vacation. So, wow, no surprise that uh, expenses on that went up. Right. But I think it's really important in the first two, three years, at least that's from my experience, to really track all your expenses continuously because you need to uh, really uh, often it's hard work to lower expenses right because for instance you can you can lower your expenses by paying off mortgage it's a really really easy one that's the biggest one your car loans yeah in the beginning um uh, because often people start with a telephone subscription or something like that but in the grand scheme of things those are not the big ones, right? Refinancing your mortgage, those are the big ones that you really can save money on. And it takes two, three years to, to rebalance your expense uh, accounting book, let's say. And from then onwards, you just live on that and you need to avoid lifestyle inflation. So, yeah. Plus, yeah, it's just with inflation, I would, I would imagine a lot of people's savings rate might not stay the same, especially if you're living a certain standard of life and you want to you want to keep that yeah sometimes you're going to miss out of entertainment or you're going to keep yeah. saving so it just it just depends on so, so maybe it's good to clarify my savings rate is lower than uh, last year but that has also to do because my gross income this year was higher so that also reduces a bit the savings rate um yeah but also that's another thing i say like to have a high savings rate do your best at work so i i, I got some increase also in 2022 that didn't fully make up for the uh, inflation but well actually probably yes let's say like that if you have a savings rate of 50 percent and your expenses grow 20 percent and your salary would grow with 10 percent kind of your inflation is covered yeah, yeah. it was not entirely the case for me but um it just shows like um uh, that here also there's like like a leverage effect or something like that uh, yeah nice and then what about dividend growth what about dividends how did how did that do 
Yeah, so the dividend growth itself was, of course, like uh, my projected annual dividend income grew at 40% or something like that. But my organic growth was 4.3%. And this is what I'm not satisfied with. It needs to go to 6%. And, but this is a, a long-term story because Omega Healthcare is a really big position for me with 8% yield. It's been flat for two or three years. Now, um, if this doesn't grow, yeah, it impacts the, the growth rate quite a lot, the organic growth, right? Uh, Unilever didn't grow their dividend. Danone didn't grow the dividend. So I've got a few of those companies in my uh, portfolio, let's say in the top 15, where if they don't grow, it impacts the overall, um, overall number. I am not too worried about it because my financial plan is to have a 3.25% yield on cost that needs to grow 6%. If you've got Omega Healthcare already at 8%, I bought Apfi at, uh, I don't know, 6% yield on cost. So it's still, it, it would need 10 or 15 years, usually, let's say, let's say 10 years to get to that number yeah, um, of the yield that I have already. So it's not that such a big of an issue, but my portfolio yield is now around 3.7%. I have some opportunities to boost it up because uh, I have got some non-dividend stocks in there like Alphabet, Mega, Meta and such. So maybe I'll do something with that uh, this year. I'm still figuring out if I want to do that um, here. Um, so yeah, it's it's by now investing in more high quality stocks like Texas Instruments I hope that this organic growth starts to improve because once I'm financially let's say early retired let's say and let's assume I wouldn't have any income anymore other than my passive income that is my sole salary hike that I will have so it sounds really nice that I hike my projected annual dividend with I don't know 40 percent or something like that but this is not realistic if I don't deploy cash from active income anymore in the stock market and I solely depend on passive income. So that's why I'm focused on that to strengthen that passive income uh, organic growth uh, over time. And I, I I don't think a lot of people in the community track their organic growth um, here. They usually look just, okay, uh, this is what my project annual dividend income growth is, da -da -da, and that's it. But it's not a real number, right? Most of it comes from the cash that you deploy in the market. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot harder to track the organic growth as well. A lot, well, it takes a lot more time. To, to, yeah, to so what I do maybe to help people out, I just look at the amount of shares that I owned, let's say at the start of 2022. Then I look at um, the dividends, pay, the dividends that were there at 2022, 1 January. Then I look at uh, the dividends at the end of 2022, 31 December. And then I just calculate it, and that's the delta. I don't look at the stocks in between that I purchased or that I added because it would really blur the number. For me, that's a good enough number to, to justify it being the organic dividend growth. And that's how you can calculate it. It's a clean number then. You don't need to do anything with, I don't know, total return kinds of concepts. No, it's really clean. And they just told me if this was on 31 uh, uh, December 2021, the status, how does it look like at 31 December 2022 on the same base of basis of the amount of shares? And, and the only thing where I add shares is when it was reinvested, like Shell or Ahold Dolhese, because then then that is also dividend payments. Oh. And and the companies then that you have that are impacting your growth. See, you mentioned Denone as, as one that we, we know is not yeah. growing dividend. Any thoughts on them? Like do you do you see the point in holding on to them long term? So I put them on the uh, 
watch list, but this like the the watch list, the CEO watch list, like don't fuck up on this one. So um, I, I kind of like the new CEO from the Nona from what he has been doing. But I'm honest, I, I expect things this year to triple down and trickle down into the bottom line. And with that, I expect a dividend hike. If there's no dividend hike, I will really, really reconsider my holdings um, because I really wonder then I, I need to I need to then really understand what the CEO is up to. Maybe he's not interested in dividend at all. And then there are opportunity costs associated to it. And I have the same with buyer as an example. I'm, I, I had already last year on the watch list. I didn't touch it this year, but you know there are opportunity costs. So um, yeah, I might sell them then in my spring cleaning or something like that because that's in May. That's after the after all the earnings uh, annual reports. It's after the general meetings, and then it's a good time to consider selling or not. So, so overall, good year, happy, happy with your results. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really happy. And uh, let's not forget a lot of it is also to thank towards the dollar uh, here that got a bit stronger. I think it impacts five to ten percent of the of the results. But hey, you don't watch a gift horse in the mouth. But on the other end, I had to pay more for American shares also in the second part of the year. So it will hit us back uh, once it would if if the euro will recover, right? So. Yeah. No, I'm really proud, really happy, and uh, yeah, and, and for what it matters, if you take the same approach, I had even a one percent capital gain, uh, net capital gain on my portfolio. If I don't look at all the additions, just like again from last year to this year with those things, uh, well, well, the S and P five hundred went twenty percent down. So you know, uh, last year I was six percent lagging the S and P five hundred. So over two years, I'm still fourteen percent <laughs> beating it. So anyone who tells us that dividend investing is boring, it's not gonna make you what money. Well, there's one thing here, guys. If you are able to not lose money in those years, you're actually compounding still, right? So yeah, it's 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 a fun statistics. It doesn't matter to me and such. But if people challenge on total return, there you go, guys. Um, having having uh, a value-oriented investing style also gives down downwards protection. There's not too many people who can say they've they've smashed the S and P 500 by posting positive returns this year. So kudos to you. Oh, kudos <laughs> to Shell, Exxon Mobile, and all the managers there. <laughs> kudos to big oil companies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but tell me, I'm curious. Uh, enough about me. How about you? How, how have you been doing this year? Yeah, my, my year was 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 okay. Um, I had a goal to invest twelve hundred and fifty a month. Um, I bet that, so I averaged around fourteen hundred a month, which I'm which I'm quite happy about. Um, roughly. <laughs> My portfolio yield, remember I mentioned, is like 6%. Yeah. So at a 6% yield, that's an extra 1,000 a year in dividend income. At a 3% yield, that's five 500. So, yeah. And then in how and come around. you were able to increase the money? Uh, why, why 1,400 and why not 1,200? Uh, so I do, you know, I do work for short dividend and stuff like that. So all, all yeah. that, pretty much most of that money goes straight in. Uh, there was maybe one or maybe one month where my wife needed money for something and it was there so i, yeah. I gave her that but but normally i just throw that money in in there as well so that kind of contributed yeah. a little bit to it so it's a bit um, side hustle yeah a little bit of a side hustle there so it's it's there so i'm, I'm aiming to go to 15 this year that's that's mm. that's the main goal 15 a month this year 
But are you also paying yourself first? I pay that, yeah. So that comes out straight away. So so two yeah. things happens when I get my when my wages. Automatically, the money goes into a joint account for all the bills, and mm. automatically this money will go into another account that I'll put into my investments. So the, all okay. that comes straight away, and then whatever I'm left, I'm I'm left with. But and that's mm. that's what happened. And 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 these were deposits, right? This was not dividends reinvesting. This no, these are net deposits. Are, yeah, all all deposits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, congratulations and it's a lot of money right 1400 i don't know how much you earned like five years ago but for me these are like like just four digit numbers are, are really a lot right really a lot yeah like when you when you think when i started in 2007 end of 2017 i was putting in 100 a month <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah exactly exactly you know, and now it's like a 14 fold yeah and you can see you can really see that in the dividend income then throughout the throughout the year particularly towards the end of the year so you, you can definitely start to see the the money at at work now i did have one exceptional month may where i i earned eight eight hundred euro but most of us members in zim i was doing a dividend capture so oh, it's hard yeah. to it's it's hard to include that in 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 calculations but i think look forward for income for next year stands at the moment at about three thousand two hundred um, roughly ten percent of my overall goal, which is obviously thirty-two thousand, if you can do maths. Um, so um, it's pretty, pretty. That's pleasing. like two hundred fifty euro a month already. Yeah, yeah, that's two hundred, just over average, just over two hundred a month at the moment. And what can you pay all for that? Which bills does it pay already? It pays. It will, it will probably pay my gas electricity bill at at the moment. That is due to to go up. They sent us a, a mail yesterday to say, "Oh, you've had incredibly low rates," uh, but next year it's it's going up. But it still cover gas, gas and electricity, and probably my mobile phone bill as well on top of that. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is how I look at it. I, I I look at the bottom of the Maslow pyramid, and those are the expenses I first want to be able to cover, like housing, like a shelter yeah. or <laughs> or real roof, right? Uh, energy, uh, food. If you cover yeah. that, we have our psychological needs, right? And we know actually that you already can can survive. Yeah. So yeah. that that's the first threshold where I really look at uh, here. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a good bit off covering food and house, but yeah. I mean, it's a start. It's a start. Definitely, exactly. Exactly. It's definitely interesting to see. Like ten ten percent, ten percent towards my goal. I thought I'd be more. To be fair, I, I did actually think I'd be more. But then I'm looking at I'm looking at it. I did have a lot of money within options and all that from last year's, as as you remember. The sack probably hampered me a little bit. I would say because that's money that was sitting there that I didn't yeah. use that that I probably could have put towards. Especially when we had large dips, I could have used that money a little bit better instead of was sitting mm -hmm. there and ro rolling over options. Actually, fun fact: I did say that I was. Uh, getting out of all my options and and so on and i had vfc was last so yeah. i closed that at, at a loss yesterday i was just said fuck it i'm not i'm not waiting anymore i just want to get <laughs> out i don't want to keep holding the cash on the side so I, I closed it off it's it's a loss so i have no more open put options on my account yeah. anymore so all that money is going to be deployed that's sitting there uh this month or next month into the oh nice, nice nice let us know in what i'm really curious DCC. Yeah, are you going to do DCC? That's a question, really. 
I have a few shares. I have about 15, 15 shares of them. Hey, so you bought some. Yeah, I bought some. I bought some close to when you did. You called me out on Twitter, if you remember, and I said I have to buy yeah. some. Yeah, ah, so I bought, nice. I bought about 15 shares. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to buy yet. Um, I bought some Sunoco. Remember I mentioned them? I bought some mm -hmm. of them uh, this month. And today I bought some more Blackstone and another share or two of Texas Instruments. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Good. And uh, what about your portfolio yield? It's 6.3% uh, or something like that, right? Is this something yeah. that that because what is your what is your target right uh, because i assume you have also kind of a like like for me it's like savings rate i i need to i, I need to do 50 percent every year and then i need to do 3.25 percent uh, on average plus six percent growth so if i'm above above that yield i can uh, expect a bit less growth but do you have those numbers as well in your head and and yeah so most of my calculations were done off three percent dividend yield a portfolio yield and then around six or seven percent growth so pretty much the same as you so all my calculations are done off that it is a little bit higher but i do have some higher um yielding like i do uh, invest in cefs closed-end funds which i i don't really uh talk about it because i'm not i would say an expert i'd want to i'd want to give false information but it's definitely yeah. more tax efficient um in ireland to own them rather than etfs for example and then it gave me access to sort of equities and and markets that i just can't get in traditional markets so they typically give me about a seven eight percent yield so they do yeah. pop up i have about five or six holdings um in them uh, so that that's what's really dragging it up if i was to take them out that yield would probably be in around four and a half percent which is a little okay. bit more manageable okay cool 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 um but but like you i do want to start tracking the growth a little bit more we do say we're, we're dividend growth investors as well is what we say so i think it's important to try and track that just to make sure that that the companies we hold for example because i had those thoughts about then own as well are they actually growing or what's the point in holding on to them if if they're not going to grow the dividend sure it's it, it exactly, doesn't seem exactly. it doesn't it doesn't i mean you have you have a strategy you have ethos and if they're not fitting in with it then you have to really think about why, mm. why they're actually there yeah yeah that's how i look at it as well okay and and then uh what 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 are the buys that you're really most proud on uh from 2022 siemens was was the one that because i really yeah. really wanted to own and i really like siemens and i held off and then they did back down so i'm glad i went back in in for them i do like sinoco as well i do actually like that one i i they were patching company. I wanted the Irish company, as you know, Smurf Kappa, you'd be laughing about, but I think Sunoco is a, is, a, is a really good company. And the last one is Schneider Electric. I've been holding off them for so long. Yeah, and uh, I went to the shop the other day and I saw like Legrand, Schneider Electric, all the switches were beside each other. It really felt like being on a stock safari uh, here. It was really nice. And they're all French companies. What do French companies have with switches? I don't know. I don't know, but a, lo a lot of a lot of them yeah. cut their dividend, didn't they, recently? So yeah. it's quite a, it's quite good to have one in your portfolio that hasn't cut their dividend. Yeah, but I was just wondering when I was walking there. Okay, Legrand is a French brand. Schneider Electric is uh, there in, in, in France. And I felt like, did they have something? But did they invent switches? Like, did Napoleon <laughs> invent the light switch, or what is it? 
<laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but they make good. They make good products. Oh, maybe so. we have a French listener that can clarify a little bit, like uh, about this. Yeah, it would be actually interesting to know. That would be well for me. It would because yeah, for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, look, there were some. There were some force boys in my account. You can you can see that mm -hmm. I have some some there. So Zim was there. Zim. Uh, CCL Carnival. I, I told you about them. I thought the cruise industry was going to turn around, and a couple of others like so. I've sold maybe 40 50 percent of them at the moment, and this year I'll be just getting rid of them come hell or high water and having just a pure dividend growth portfolio. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the main goal. Are, are you happy with the performance? Yes, yes, in terms of dividend growth, but again. You you touched on it. Lots of people don't track the organic dividend growth, and I didn't. I've tracked obviously dividend growth, but there's there's seventeen thousand gone into into my portfolio, which has obviously helped that. So I need to track it from a dividend growth organically and see if I'm happy. Yeah, but, run your calculations and let me know. Yeah. I'm curious. But but in terms of value from where it was at the end of last year to the end of this year, um, I'm obviously ecstatic. I'm more than happy. It's 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 a fifty percent gain. So it went from two thousand up to up to three times in the space to be nice up. nice congratulations congratulations and wishing you that in 2023 you do another 50 percent at least yeah I, nice. I hope so i hope so good hey with that being said i think uh cheers on a good year we'll drink next next week uh, a pint on it uh i heard i need to try some of the guinness there so uh my expectations are high regarding that but maybe this is the time we can also go to the listeners questions yeah cool so the first one is from phil and he is asking us um i think you already said in previous episodes and end of your reports um but what is new and different um yeah for me it's really uh, i need to spend more time on on high quality stocks and this is where the stock market is also now in a much better position so um, um i mean it was already a bit in there but also what's um new for me in this year i'm really thinking a bit more deeply now like what does that mean yeah so i know i need to do high quality but what does it really mean so i'm still thinking a bit a little bit like what what makes something high quality yeah and yeah. and i'm, I'm more uh, doing some deeper thinking about this right now and based on that, yeah, I might need to make some adjustments to to the way I, I analyze stocks or buy stocks. I think I have it all already in there because, for instance, the dashboard that we built covers all of this. It's a dividend safety and such. But I want to make sure I do proper due diligence around this so that I really can buy with conviction. Yeah, and yeah. that I can also clearly, how do you say it? Cut the, uh, separate the chaff from the wheat. Uh, is it that? Yeah, um something like that yeah. I, yeah I can't remember the exact phrase but yeah um yeah I, I i agree with you what what is quality and defining that is is important and um, for me i'm going to go back in time on twitter and have these laser laser eyes i'm going to be laser focused um purely on dividend growth this year that's that's what's that's what's different so i'm staying away from all the fiddly bits this year and laser focused on on dividend and my dividend growth portfolio 
um, hobby investor, do you foresee any potential legal issues for Europeans when buying American ETFs via the recurring <laughs> order book from interactive brokers? I'm honestly going to say yes. That is why I am staying the hell away from it. <laughs> so what kind of legal issue can you have then? I don't know, but the tax or something. I, I don't know what will come from it, but I mean, it's not possible to buy these shares for a reason. We're obviously protected in some way by the yeah. European courts. So I can't see this being, I can't see them willingly giving, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to know. But you know, some, some, some financial institutions can buy them for us in Europe, right? So um yeah i i mean i'm not a lawyer obviously so that i don't know but maybe some people might know what we might not know what we're talking about so maybe full disclosure on interactive brokers if you have an account there many people have seen suddenly and besides the buy and sell button something called recurring if you click on recurring uh and then you look up the ticker for instance SCHD, the schwab uh, dividend growth etf Suddenly, you can set up a recurring monthly investment, let's say, of 100 or 200 euros, and you can start buying buying these ETFs that were never accessible to us. So the big question is, is this a feature or is this a bug? Nobody knows, but some people already started to buy uh, these famous uh, American ETFs there. And the question from hobby investors here, like, will we be in shit in a, in a few months from now or not? So we don't know. Um, I'm a bit more, I guess, of uh, uh, something like who doesn't mind, you know, taking the opportunities that are given to us and live with the consequences later. But uh, yeah, if you're afraid of that, then of course, obviously, don't do it and treat it as a bug and report it as a bug. It's, it's, you know what, probably it would be more interactive brokers that would be punished legally, I would say, if, if, if anything. Yeah, the usually it goes I... on the broker side because we've seen it with the hero as well at a certain moment that they that they sold no that they didn't allow us to buy real estate investment trusts anymore remember yeah. that but it, i mean just imagine if it's a long-term holding and you you buy them and they they drop 50 percent, and then all of a sudden some rule comes in and they're forced to sell the shares and give you back the money you would be pretty pissed at that stage yeah so. but if that if such an etf drops with 50 percent, we have another issue going on <laughs> yeah maybe maybe we'll see <laughs> recession is coming baby <laughs> we don't know what's gonna happen yeah but they don't happen in a, uh, overnight it still takes at least a few weeks uh. <laughs> um dazzy mike has asked how big of a factor does dividend withholding tax play in picking one dividend stock over another i know your answer yeah dividend after tax yield yeah. after tax yeah it, it's still it's still hard for me to invest in companies in Switzerland and, and places where it's like that. And where do we say recently had a high dividend tax? Was it Sweden? Norway. 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 Yeah. Norway, yeah. So I mean, for me, it, it's definitely psychological because dividend after tax probably makes more sense, but paying 35, 45, 50 percent of, of your income is just hard to swallow for me. Yeah, true. But you pay it now in your active income probably as well because that's the fact right dividend income uh, yeah. is still usually taxed better so lower tax than than from active income if you're working in the netherlands you have 40 to 50 or 60 percent income tax yeah then then you can better have dividends for 15 percent there yeah true or 35 percent. but yeah. it's all it's all it's all relative isn't it i suppose when yeah. your active your active income 
you're probably earning a lot more so you you spot out whereas if i'm buying 1500 euro worth of shares in i don't know nestle for example i'm losing 35 yeah. but i'm not i'm not going to bother trying to claim that back or do anything with that and such a low amount of money it doesn't yeah. seem like it's worth my while. yeah yeah true true uh, Gordon has asked us, do you get tired and patient for waiting like stocks like Nike, L'Oreal, Bulldogs, Clewer to drop to an acceptable price or do you think dollar cost averaging instead is better? Uh, it depends on the on the day. You know, today, not ask me tomorrow again <laughs> and I might be pissed off. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I'm in it for the long run and I don't like overpaying for a company. So it, it kind of, um, yes, I have more sometimes this fear of missing out kind of feeling like, okay, you know, maybe I should just buy it. But then I had this feeling more like last summer and then I see where they are trading now. I think like, nah, uh, I'm glad that I stuck, stuck to my, uh, philosophy here. So, and I always believe that at least once in a decade, they come at a reasonable price for whatever reason. You just have to be have to be ready for it, I suppose. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, Neil has asked us one question for you. What do you think of KPN? Yeah, so KPN is a uh, Dutch telecom provider. Um, uh, they are currently forecasting a three to five percent dividend growth and already pay around five percent yield. I mean, KPN is for me not a business that I, I consider high quality, actually low quality um i know they they are strong have a strong market share in the netherlands but there's always something with the stocks there was there was a mexican takeover or something like a, or an investor at a certain moment uh, maybe he's still there but then i think okay but if you if, if you want this and uh, then go for verizon or something like that yeah there's there's more quality in verizon and and probably at a similar yield even a bit higher yield so for me kpn is a stock that that doesn't attract me at all. Telecoms in Europe are a bit more choppier than. Yeah, than exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and on that, AT and T are in talks of cutting their dividend again. Just fun fact. Yes. Again. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 that's the the rumor on the grapevine that the, there's talks of another dividend cut impending. So that'll be interesting. This is, this is John Stinky. Is he still there? Yes, he's still there. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell! So, did you, we, do you we, still own your AT and T shares? I still own. I still own them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, still own. I, I thought you wanted to share and sell them like a year ago. Yeah, right. I die at this stage. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to revisit them. But there's that. De yeah, there's there's definitely talks of them having to cut the dividend again. Um, but I'm I'm not. Why? Well, let's, let's let's think about it. I mean, they're they're in depth up to the eyeballs and we're in high interest environment at the moment. So oh, that's boy. that's never a good mix in in anybody's case. But um, again, it's just as I said, it's just a rumor. But we'll, we'll see. Usually, when when they start, there's probably more to it then. Oh, oh, sorry for laughing at you. Um, no bad intention, but uh, this AT and T is killing me. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I I glad I stepped out really almost immediately and still i got a a, a nice uh, profit out of it so yeah in the end i did well with it but yeah one of the lucky ones um bart has asked us so he's, he's congratulating you on your super annual report 
but you say you express that you're underweight in high quality and you're overweight in value stocks if you were to reallocate from 47 down to 15 what are the 15 subsidiaries of high quality would you keep oh yeah uh, give me a second well while you're doing that one the next question is seems like it's from ireland i'll answer that one while you're doing that it's from thomas he's asked do you have to declare your stockbroker account to revenue the answer is yes you do you have to declare any income that you get um if you buy shares you don't have to declare but if you buy and sell you have to declare and if you receive dividend income you also have to declare yeah hey getting back to the question um yeah of course i would keep shell i would keep Upfi, i would keep koniklijke aal delhaise i would keep microsoft i would keep apple i will keep johnson johnson I would probably call, keep Bus F. I would keep Realty Income. I would keep Allianz. I would keep keep HP Inc. I would keep Munich uh, Reichsversicherung. I would keep T Rowe Price, PepsiCo, Chubb, Hershey, Texas Instruments, DCC, Siemens. Um, ASR Netherlands. I would keep Target. <laughs> I would keep Starbucks. I would keep uh, you're, you're Defama, right, you're and I would keep Defama and Ambra from Poland as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's twenty three. So you're already gone over fifteen. Oh, okay. But th these are kind of high quality stocks for me in my portfolio. Okay. You, you oh, said ASML. Sorry, I forgot ASML. I will keep yeah. that one as well. You said probably BASF, so maybe that's not as high quality as as the rest of them. You are on well, the fence. Uh, because you know um, BASF is cyclical and 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 uh, like like Shell as well, I guess. And why I'm there on the fence is like, can you in general consider cyclicals as high quality? That that's a more difficult question for me. Depends on where you buy them in the cycle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's high quality. You shouldn't look at price, right? You should look really at the fundamentals of the business. Does it have a moat? Uh, can it weather any storm? These kinds of things. Uh, market share, growth potential. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Okay, and then Dermot McNamara has asked, he uses the hero, um, but after Mike's post about broker diversification, he's thinking about opening other accounts. What are some of the pros and cons of the ones that we use? Okay, so interactive brokers, um, you've got access to many, many stocks all around the world at probably some of the, yeah, probably the cheapest prices, I would say. However, the user interface is just a drama. I struggle with this stuff like after a year. It, I, I, I don't understand how you can create such a web interface in 2023. They should feel ashamed. Uh, but again, uh, people are not there for a fancy web interface. They are there to earn money. But for me, just to be able to pull a, a simple overview to see my dividend income, I need to create a report, like 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 generate a report or something like that. And and I think like, what the fuck, yeah? Just show me straight away. Uh, let me even tailor a little bit of web view. It can't be that difficult. So that's my issue with interactive brokers. Uh, and and there there's where I like the hero really a lot. I really like their web interface portfolio really nice interview uh, uh overview below the portfolio you see all your dividends that are upcoming really in a nice uh in a nice table 
Um, but what I don't like about the hero is sometimes like you, you have these uh, the watchdogs are, are chasing them now again something in Germany that tend to intervene a little bit so sometimes I wonder like will we see in FTX that they were uh, telling us that our money wasn't a safe deposit uh, let's say or our our shares but in the end they 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 were just hustling with it yeah that's kind of this this thinking sometimes that comes to my mind because of all this news that we didn't see but also european shares trading is not so cheap i pay four and a half euro four euro on a commission on on, on buying a stock abroad here yeah? and then an interactive broker has better commissions uh here yeah i i like interactive brokers but i agree logging in to try and find my dividend income is a pain in the yeah but yeah it is it is it is absolute pain i mean it, you're right you have to go and create like on my mobile phone if i want to if i want to go on oh yeah, yeah phone, forget it it's 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 impossible like you have to yeah you have to get to jump through hoops to try and even do that whereas on the hero yeah. you can go on you can go to transactions and it has but, boom, everything yeah. Exactly. And so it's so much easier. So that that really annoys me because it's more of an effort for me having to track stuff from there. But yeah, in terms, you're right. You have more more access to markets and stocks and and everything else. So, um, and cheaper. I think it's it's cheaper. Yeah. Um, I think it's that. the cheapest one uh, so far that I know. Maybe trading two one two. Uh, you can say it's like free um, uh, without commission, but you you pay on the spread. So in the end, I notice you do spend one percent or something like that on every trade it's just like how they communicated this like it's uh zero commission yeah yeah and and you don't get your dividends on time <laughs> so i don't yeah. know if you noticed that so it's always like a week later you dividends yeah yeah so i mean i have a pie there that i invest a little bit in it so our two pies so it's um I'm, I'm, for me i don't worry so much about how quick it comes um at least last year trading two on two updated the annual reports uh annual statements so now we know our dividends so i can use for the tax returns so they're improving improving slowly but for me usability trading two on two is top notch right with the pies and the fractional shares it's really top notch yeah yeah cool come to the end of the show thanks yeah. a million for everyone for all the questions thanks to you for going through your portfolio and again your annual report is definitely a must read as i said i'm halfway through it it's very in-depth it's very good um and definitely an exercise worth doing actually for anyone that's that's a dividend growth investor it, uh, you don't have to write it as as in-depth as yours but definitely to go through the process is probably going to be helpful thank you as well and hey uh, let's see you next week in person yes we will we'll have a live podcast next week i'm looking forward to that good great okay see you all on the outside remember both of us at dividend talk are not certified financial specialists through formal education we are just two guys sharing our journey for inspiration and entertainment purposes hence this is not investment advice although we do our best we can't promise that the information discussed is always correct nor appropriate for you or anybody else we always recommend that you do your own due diligence and be accountable for your own choices as we always say you can't borrow conviction from others last but not least by listening to our podcast you agree to hold us harmless from any ramifications financial or otherwise that occur to you as a result of acting on information provided in this podcast